Hello, folks, and welcome back to Nerd Pod Generations. My name is Steve Taylor. I am one of your illustrious hosts, along with my good friend, Mr. Al Jutsum. Hello, Al. Hello, friends and enemies. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Life running you well? Yeah, pretty good at the moment. Not bad. So, no complaints. I promised you a revelation. I had yes. a revelation. Yes. This is episode 13 of Nerd Pod Generations. It is actually episode 12, because I realized we never did an episode 9. Did we jump 9? We jumped 9. I'm looking through all of our shit, and I'm like, we never did a number 9. Nah. So, this is actually episode 12 of NerdPod Generations. I can't believe... We skipped nine. We're gonna have a. We're gonna have to bring in an, uh, an agency to do an audit on us. We can't get. From we're just stupid. One to There's no agency needed. We're just <laughs> idiots. But now here's the thing: Do I title this twelve, or do I just say we just never had a number nine, and this is episode thirteen? Third option: We say numbers are an interesting construct, and we just call this episode sixty. And every episode is just a different See, now number. you're fucking with my mind a little too much. Yeah. It's a little too late at night for my brain to be it's, doing that. This is episode 60. Next will be episode 22. See, my thought was, is the reason we didn't do an episode 9 is because episode 9 of Star Wars was so bad <laughs> that we were just like, fuck it. And, and then if you also look at it, the ninth movie in the Star Trek franchise was so bad. That was Insurrection. Ah. That we're like... So, two of our favorite franchises, the ninth movie was so atrocious, yeah. we're just going to skip nine. I, I gotta go back and watch Rise of Skywalker. I just don't know when I'm going to set aside time to do it, because... Don't waste your time. It's very vapid. It's There's not a lot there. I Okay. I've told you this before. I have no, nothing in my life, being as big a nerd I am, and a biggest a fan of fantasy and science fiction that I am, there's no franchise on this planet that I want to like more than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I so badly want to like that franchise. I have watched the prequels a million times. That's your To problem. try to like it. You're going in the wrong direction. Well, no, here's the thing. I have tried the same with Revenge, or what's the, Revenge of the Jedi? What's the... the Return of the Jedi. The seventh one. Oh. Uh, no, the eighth one. Force eighth Awakens, one. Uh, The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker... I have gone back, because I've seen both of them once, start to finish. Yeah. Hated them with all of my fiber of my being. The prequels, I can still watch them and appreciate how bad they are. Because here's the thing with the prequels, and I think we've talked about this before. They have great stories. They're just poorly made movies. The acting, the directing are bad. If you look at the story itself, it's not bad. It's not bad. The writing is just terrible. Yes. And the acting is just terrible, and the directing is terrible, and the, the special effects, now that they've aged, have not aged they've well. Not aged terrible. well. The Last Jedi and and Return of Skywalker yeah. are just so bad, just in total movies, that I have made it maybe three minutes into both and just turned it off. I, because I cannot watch them. I like... I So I came out of Last Jedi... And I was like, I like this movie a lot. I'm gonna defend it. And then I saw it again, and I was like, There's a lot of problems here, man. You There's got way too many problems. You got a lot of issues here in terms of the story you decided to tell, in terms of the way that you decided to do fan service, in terms of the way you decide to develop these characters, and the fact that 
I have a huge issue with the the idea that this takes place literally immediately after yeah. Force Awakens. None of these things needed to happen. Um, I personally didn't mind the uh, Princess Leia in space thing. I was like, she's a Jedi; she can survive. That's fine. I don't. I'll give it to I, her. I think it was just because it looked so honky. Maybe that's it. Like it looked a real wonky. Uh, you know, but it was just like there were so many elements of it that I was like. Uh, not answering the question isn't an answer, but it does put you down as wrong. Yeah. And that's what you decided to do. You decided not to answer a bunch of questions, which means you just get an incomplete. And that's not really, no one's impressed with an incomplete. It just means you didn't try. And then if you're Ryan Johnson, your argument is, well, but I was just, I was, I was upsetting your, your expectations. Like, no, no. No. You're just upsetting us. You just didn't do anything. Yeah. That's not upsetting my expectations. That's not doing anything. Because when you take the roadmap that's laid out for you and completely throw it out the window. Yeah. And then make episode seven not make sense. Immediately. Immediately. Because it's like, why would Luke have created a map to find him if he doesn't want anyone to ever find him? Yeah. That makes, right there and then, that's no yeah. sense. Yeah. Absolutely no sense. What is Maz Kanata doing? Yes. That it's been like five days, maybe. Maybe. What's what is going on in the periphery of this movie? Yes. Because it seems much more interesting than what's going on in this movie. Yes. And And as small as the resistance is that they make it in that movie, how does Poe have no idea who this woman is? The top pilot has zero idea who this woman is. And and she, for some reason, decides that this is this, the moment she's going to make this stand and just not tell him her plan. Yes. Because that's leadership here is to be like, no, my top general wants to find out my plan and I'm not going to tell him because he needs to trust me. Oh, my God. This is not the time. Around. This is not the time for it, guys. Also, if nothing else, lasers can't curve in space. Yeah. That, that's not a thing. When I went back and watched it again, I saw that. I was like, there's no argument I can get for this. This is just stupid. I see what you're doing. It's supposed to be like a battleship. And all, but the problem is yeah. we're we're dealing with space. Even if it's fantasy space, this isn't science space. This is fantasy space. Fine. This is still stupid. Yeah. It still looks stupid. It feels stupid. It has no power within the story, and it robs any importance that should be going on in the story from it. There's supposed to be this tension because they're running away. There's no tension because they're never in danger because the Empire could get them at any time if they want to. First Order. Whatever. Don't care. Same guys. Same thing. Yeah. And and they took the number two. Now, you know, everyone looks at the last couple movies and they're like, oh, we'll pose the number two hero in that after Ray. No, no, no. After Force Awakens, Finn is the number two hero. Yeah. And they take what his storyline was in The Force Awakens is he wasn't running away from the Empire or First Order once again because he was a coward. He was doing it because he didn't believe in killing innocent people and being a villain. And they turn that into him being a turncoat who just wants to run away at the first opportunity and completely destroy his character. Well, not only that, he goes around murdering other stormtroopers like it's a thing to do. Yeah. And it's just like, so this is an element of the character that you could really dig into, really kind of go into. Is he trying to convert other stormtroopers to move away from the First Order? Is he taking any action to make sure that his story isn't the same as a million others after him? Yeah. No. 
No, because he's not that deep a character. Because none of these characters are deep. Because there's the the veneer of depth to them. Yeah. But there's no actual depth to them, which is frustrating because it, the depth was there mm-hmm. to be given after Abrams. That's true. Finished. With Force Awakens, there's everywhere to go. We were talking last week about how Abrams doesn't know how to finish something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that's perfect. You don't want any of this stuff finished. Yeah. You want somebody who's just going to come along and set a bunch of stuff up and then have someone else be like, okay, this is where all those storylines go. But unfortunately, he followed his initial mistake in his career, what he did with Lost, where they did all the setup and had no idea where to go from there. No, it's true. And then that show turned into a fucking mess. Yeah. Same thing happened with Star Wars. He set all this stuff up and he's like... Alright, I don't know where it's going, you figure it out. Well, and the problem is that it's like, I'm fine with that, because that's like J.J. Abrams' thing. That's what he does. Um, He's famous for his mystery box ideas and all this other stuff of like, I'm not interested in the answers, I'm interested in the questions. Yeah. Fine. That's, we'll give it to you for Force Awakens. Fine. Uh, After Ryan Johnson decided that he wasn't interested in any of the questions that J.J. Abrams left him and just threw them all out and did his own thing... Uh, now Disney goes into panic mode and brings back in Abrams to finish off a thing, which is not a thing Abrams has ever done before. Yeah. And you you can tell that it's really just like, show of hands, Palpatine for Ray's grandfather who's on board, who's on board. Okay, we got 50% of the room. We're good. This is the storyline we're going with. It's not great. It's not perfect, but it will do. Yeah. And it will provide a level of fan service that we think the fans will be happy with because this is Disney, so they think that any mention of the original trilogy will make fans happy. Yep. And we'll throw Lando in. Yeah. Oh, there's someone from the originals. Yeah. Oh, my God. And we'll show Ewoks. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There, there we go. Everybody's happy now, Everyone's right? Everyone's happy. We're going to kill Chewie, but we're not going to kill Chewie. Don't worry. Yeah, no. We're not actually going to kill Chewie because that would be making a decision. And we're yeah. not going to make a decision here. Like, is, um, uh, what's his face? Kylo Ren. Is he, what, what's going on with him? Yeah. We're not really going to decide at any point. We're going to decide at the end that he turns on his own knights, who, again, were an opportunity to set up something interesting, just not taken. Yeah. The Knights of Ren, that could have been a thing. That could have been a really interesting thing. We could have met all of his lieutenants and all these people that got him to this point and all the people that he's surrounded himself with in his life as an emperor. And no, we're just, we're not going to do that. We're going to do Palpatine. And and how are we going to introduce him? In the crawl. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. That's how the number one baddie in that whole franchise comes back to life. In the crawl and in the I, beginning. I don't have a problem with the crawl <clears throat> because I, I'm one of those people where... Uh, when I, so, to the fans, uh, I mm. I rewatched Rogue One. We might talk about. It, we might not. We yeah, it depends if we have time or not. Um, but I rewatched Rogue One, and I realized one of my issues with that is that it doesn't have a crawl. And so, like having a crawl where you introduce Palpatine, it's a lame move, right? Yes. But if you can if you can pull off that pivot, fine. You know. If you know if you you fumble the ball forward and you get a first down, okay. As long as you recovered it and we're still moving forward, is I'm not impressed. Yeah. But let's see what you do with it. And then they just didn't do anything. They no. were just like, no. But that's it. That's the whole thing. Is that he's Palpatine and Snoke was Palpatine, and it was always Palpatine. And also, someone had sex with Palpatine at some point. Yeah. Um, which is not an issue we're ever going to touch ever again because we've no. literally followed Palpatine more than any other character in this entire franchise now. And he has never 
had a significant love interest yeah. in the nine movies we've watched him in. So, I got some questions. <laughs> and then, you know, the big one for me, it's only been in real time like 40 years in yeah. between Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and he was able to build an unbelievable fleet of Star Destroyers in 40 years. Yeah. Which, that also, you're like, what the fuck? Like, it was just, we could talk, alright, all right, we can talk forever about that. <laughs> Fucking movie sucks. Alright, so now, real quick, that was our intro, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that wasn't even what That's we were how nerds have about. intros, right there. That's how you do it. It just gets distracted, and I then know. all of a sudden, ooh, shiny, shiny pennies. Ah, shiny pennies. <laughs> okay, so where can you find us? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other miscellaneous podcasts. Uh, sites, whatever one you choose, whatever one you want to listen to, please listen to us, tell your friends, tell your family. We need to build our listeners up so we can uh, start funding this and sending shirts out and doing all kinds of fun things. Um, so real quick, what are you watching, reading, playing at the moment? Uh, besides Rogue One, I have been, uh, let's see, I was watching, we're going to talk about Loki, so mm -hmm. that's going to be interesting. Uh, and I was just watching, what was the other thing? I had it. I had it on my phone, so I didn't forget, but then I forgot. Um, uh, did it, In the Heights. That was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, new uh, the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. I've heard it was That's good. That's very, very good. Um, and it takes place in uh, Washington Heights, which is above Harlem. Mm. Uh, and it... I lived in the North Bronx. Okay. It looks like the North Bronx. Like, really? It felt like being back home. Do you think they filmed it on location? No, no. It was definitely filmed... Well, it was filmed on location in Washington Heights. Yeah. But I think it's just that my neighborhood ends up looking a lot more like Washington Heights than I ever knew. Oh, I gotcha. Um, and it just... It was nice to kind of be home for two hours and just be mm -hmm. surrounded by that world again it's uh it, and plus it's lin-manuel miranda so it's you know brilliantly written great. and yeah oh it's good it's good stuff nice um i on the other hand have you ever heard of a show called mythic quest yes deep in my recesses of my memory rob malclery i i think i can't say his last name oh Ham and charlie day yeah who are for those of you who don't know are um writers and stars of it's always sunny in philadelphia created the show for apple tv yes or apple plus called mythic quest and yes. rob mcway plays this genius video game creator who creates this mmo kind of similar to um warcraft that he's runs this um, development studio that continues to work on this game. And it's just this comedy show that takes place in this environment. And he plays the eccentric, you know, he had this one good idea and got it, and now he's worth all this money, so he's got fast cars, and he always acts all weird. It is such a good show. And they have, um, this is the second season right now, they have a character in the show who is played by F. Murray Abraham. He plays a former um, science fiction writer who won this big award back in the day. Okay. And he kind of was washed up, but then he was hired to write the lore for the game, and he's the writer then for this game. He, write, he creates all the folklore and whatnot. And they had this episode last week that showed how he, like, 
when he was a, and a writer originally back in like the 70s, 60s and 70s, uh-huh. um, and how he got his first novel and then how his career ended up to where it is. And they just had this last, this last episode they just had was so great because they showed it when he was a young writer, he met these two people, a man and a woman, and he was kind of douchey. And he kind of had a thing for the woman and this other man and her fell in love and he kind of poo-pooed them for the, for the rest of his life. Well, now the man, the woman had passed and the man wanted to see him and it, it's played by William Hurt. Oh, wow. Which is awesome. I know yeah. they got a big, they got a big actor. Um, and it's just this funny episode about them having this clash. Like they meet up and they're having this, but it was insanely well written. And then it gets kind of dramatic and it comes down, but they don't get like schmaltzy dramatic where the drama ruins the comedy. So good. I yeah. highly recommend like Apple plus is only four ninety nine a month. And so, like, what I'll do is I'll get it for a couple months just to watch the show. So it's like eight bucks, yeah. ten bucks, whatever. And I highly recommend anyone that's interested because there's not much on Apple Plus I actually like. Like, there's that Ted Lasso show. I was gonna say which I haven't really seen. I don't really have any interest. This show is worth the five dollars a month just to see the show. Like, I would say is wait for all the episodes, second season to be done, get it for one month for five bucks, watch both seasons, and then cancel it. Yeah. Because it's that good. Like, it is worth watching just for that. It's so good. Streaming services should come out with a rental option. Where it's like $2 a month for three months. And it's a very limited run of inexpensive. Some do that. Do they? Not many. But, like, some of the newer ones will do, like, you can get it for three months or you can get it for a year. Yeah. Uh, But I agree with you. Yeah. Because I would go in for that for something like... Because I... I was raised uh, to love Apple, mm-hmm. and uh, then I started working as an easy tech guy at Staples, and then I went to college in New York City, and I was like, you know, there might not be so much special about this Apple thing. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, 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 I'm an Apple detractor, shall yeah. we say. So I'm not one to be like, yes, I'll go out and buy your streaming service, Apple. I'm like, no, I will spend money on every streaming service besides apple thank mm. you but yes i take your your point but i mean like yeah it's just the show and it's yeah. so good yeah like some of the episodes are so goddamn funny does it have that same sunny feel kind of and the funny part is you know the show sunny do you oh, i love it? sunny yeah um the guy that plays cricket yeah. plays the um office manager and so he's more straight laced, but it's cricket. Yeah, and so you're watching him like Jesus. Christ. Yeah. He is awesome. Like he plays like he's this very actor. effeminate male. Yeah. And it's so great because you have the alpha and then you have him as this effeminate guy. Yeah. And it's unbelievably brilliant. So I highly recommend that, folks. Yeah. Um all right, so we're already like fifty minutes into this episode. We need to get it. We have two things we gotta talk about. Yes. We're gonna do a quick brief rundown of Loki episode one. And then we're going to delve into 40th anniversary of Indiana Jones, which happened just recently, which I'm so, I know, love that movie. Um, All right, so Loki episode one. I don't know what to make of this episode. I have no idea. It was definitely a setup. Yeah. It was kind of like WandaVision. The first episode where I was like, I got to watch the next one. Yeah. Which is good. You want to watch the next one. Um, I did love Tom Hiddleston. I always love Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Um, Owen Wilson's a little weird. See him in the Marvel Universe. I like him in this role, though. He, 
It's a role. Yeah, it is a good role for him. It's he's playing himself. Yeah. He's like Samuel Jackson. You see a movie, you're like, oh, that's yeah, Samuel Jackson. It's, it's Owen Wilson. Yeah, it's yeah. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Um, I did read something that it didn't dawn on me when, and this is some spoilers, folks. So you have not seen episode one. Don't listen to this. Come back and listen later. Loki, when he's watching his future, and then the tape runs out. It doesn't end when Thanos kills him. It ends when Thor hugs him. So, really, that's the last thing Loki felt before he died, yeah. was his brother hugging him. Yeah. Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And, like, that to me, I was like, oh. And when somebody mentioned it, I'm like, oh, you know, that makes, that's actually that's true. good, yeah. It doesn't cut to black when his neck no. snaps. Yeah, it cuts to black after Thor's hugging him. Yeah, and when like, his soul left. Is, when his soul left. Yeah. Like, I like that's that. kind of that's kind of awesome. I like that, and I hope we get a lot more of that because, like, right now, there's so many interesting ideas that they kind great of ideas. put in there. Um, my my top number one thing that I love about this yeah. is the Infinity Stones because yes. that's straight out of canon, and that's you take an Infinity Stone out of its home universe, it has no power. I love that. It took me a minute, but it was one of those things that as soon as I realized what they were doing, I was like. Oh my god, if they hadn't done this, I would have been angry yeah. at them for it. That this was such perfect. a great scene. It was like, are those infinity stones? Oh yeah, we got yeah. a bunch lying around. That is the best. That's my, my, so great. My first moment was like, ah, oh, how could you? But then I was like, wait a minute. You've read multiverse stories. Yeah. You know how this works. And then when they talk about the multiverse war, I was like, oh, you mean the secret war from like five years ago yeah. that I read like two issues of and I need to go back and finish. Um, I was, I was reading the Tony Stark, uh, uh, he has his little club, um, oh, what are they called? Oh, the, uh, what's, what's the, the secret organization that people are always saying, uh, runs the world? AIM? No. Not AIM. <laughs> no, no, in, in real life. Oh, Illuminati. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he has a crew called the Illuminati. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and it's him, Doctor Strange. Professor X, uh, Mr. Fantastic, Black Panther, and Namor the Submariner. Yeah. And uh, and they they discover mm. that the multiverses are at war, and they start getting readings, and they start taking looks and being like, this doesn't look good, this yeah. looks real bad. And that was as far as I got before I was like, I'm not going to keep paying Marvel for a uh, subscription service that breaks on me constantly. So, apparently it's better now. I should go back and check it out. I don't. I haven't read Marvel Unlimited in a while. I uh, I unfortunately have not read a comic book in quite a long time. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Yeah. They were such a major part of my youth growing up. I read a lot of Marvel on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, for like someday I got I got to bring my it's it's a just this tiny little box of my saved books for you to see. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like my. I it's my pride and joy. Yeah. I'm hoping someday they're worth something. But... You gave me some of your your books that were taking up too much space, and they're amazing. Which ones these were are those? these? Are like the the encyclopedia ones? Oh, that's right. The Marvel the um, what are they? Not the Marvel Universe. Um, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Those ones were awesome because they showed you like how much they could lift yeah. and what their origins were. Exactly. Yeah, yeah those were great. I spent a good two nights, two or three nights thumbing through yeah, this when you those gave are pretty cool. Me. And I only wish, because I gave you the ones of the heroes, right? They made the same one for villains. Ah. And I used to have those, but I want to say they got... 
damaged in like water damage or something. Yes, that was what you told me last time. Yeah, yeah. and so unfortunately those were lost, but those were awesome also because you got to see all the villains. And, yeah. And then they also had one for all of the um, villains and heroes that died. Oh. And so the cover, like the cover of the ones you have where it shows like all the heroes, it shows gravestones. With the names on it. And you look and it shows like the heroes that used to, but they're dead and when they died and who killed them. Nice. Which was awesome. Nice. Like those are awesome. I love those. I love, because yeah. those are always such, I mean, death in comics means nothing. Yes. So that when you go back and you see how a character first died or uh, my favorite is Hawkeye. Hawkeye is kind of like up and down yeah. history with death. Um, and that's what I love about Loki. Yeah. It's because they're, they're delving into that, where yeah. it's like, death really doesn't play a part. Yeah. Or what, it, there's, I'm so fascinated by this idea of the TVA, because I went to look them up and be like, okay, let's get some history. I don't know you guys, so yeah. tell me your thing. And the internet was like, I don't know, it's a thing, and it's Marvel, and it's deep lore, and that's really all we got for you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that up first off, kudos to you guys for finding something with deep lore that... Mm has been around since the 80s that nobody really has touched has had minor um kind of entrances and exits throughout various canons mm-hmm. um but i so I'm, I'm curious about this i'm curious about this idea that they maintain the time stream that the reason that captain america can do the things that he did is because that was supposed to happen but Loki, di- Loki getting away there wasn't supposed to happen. Mm. And so, like, I, I'm just so baffled by the entirety of it because it's on a whole nother scale, but it's also still modular. Yeah. Like, the, the biggest issue with the TVA is anybody getting their hands on the TVA's technology. Yeah. So even though it's more powerful than anything the Infinity Stones have... It doesn't necessarily have the gravity of any of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm curious but where this is. This is how going. you bring back Iron Man, Captain yeah. America. Um, why am I not thinking right now? Hamdell. Oh, yeah. You know, all the characters that died, Black Widow, you know, they already brought Vision back in, in WandaVision, but, you know, that's how you're going to bring these characters back into the MCU. Is that, I, and I'm wondering if that's why they introduced this organization they're like we want to have a way if we ever come up with a storyline where we can bring these guys back because you know damn well after the bombs he's had so far since robert down jr's probably like i wish i was still iron man i couldn't i it wouldn't yeah wouldn't be bad to go and do well we're, we're i would estimate by 2025 we'll have hologram iron man but there's an iron heart movie planned uh yeah. that's gonna be the follow-up to the iron man series that apparently spider-man homecoming isn't here's my my episodically timed shot at homecoming shot at spider-man uh it's not spider-man homecoming it's iron lad or spider intern these are my two favorite ones Mm. um because it's an iron man movie parading as a spider-man movie Mm. um but anyway i digress they are doing iron heart i assume at some point robert downey jr is going to show up again as a hologram um yeah, but I agree with you. I think that this is their way to be like, we just need a one-off where we need so-and-so here for like this one thing. Um, I remember when uh, the Flash TV show did Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. They used that as an opportunity to be like, okay, so we have the Brendan Routh Superman 
and we have the Brendan Routh Adam from the regular yeah. series, and all these things are happening, and don't worry about it. It's all a thing. And, and so this gives them that avenue to be like, okay, we need to grab, you know, the Abomination from this timeline, or we need to grab Whiplash from this timeline, something silly, something stupid. Um, I My big thing is Kang has to be here somewhere. There's no way he's not. I've... Today, I unfortunately read... So I was reading through my Instagram, and I saw something pop up for a review of Loki 2, and I quickly went off, but I saw the name Kang. It has to be. It's the A number one He's thing for be. me, is where's Kang? Because you and, can't have this without Kang. And Kang, a lot of people think, is going to be one of the major villains in this next series of films, and they said that Loki will have a huge impact on the next series yeah. of films, so... It's interesting. It makes sense. It's interesting that it's getting introduced now too, because they they announced that Kang, they had cast Kang, for Ant Man, Quadrumania, yeah, Quantumania, and but that's not coming out for years. So now you have Loki, years in advance of Kang's appearance in the MCU. Are we going to get Kang? In this show, or is this just going to be laying the groundwork for it? I'm I'm waiting. I would do. I I wouldn't be shocked to be Kang in the show because that's your. You don't need to do like a build up for him in the movie. Yeah. You know, for Ant Man, he can just be an Ant Man. He can just be the bad guy. You don't have to do like a little backstory or anything. You yeah. already have that done in Loki. I I honestly get Kang in sooner than later. Um, I'm looking get for people used to him. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for Kang. I'm, I'm I'm just looking for names at this point. Yeah, that's all. I don't need to see anything because I don't buy that Loki is the ultimate villain of the series. Mainly because that the, the logic here again, we're not dealing with normal story yeah. logic, so it could be. And he's and like in the cow book, he was never the ultimate villain. He was just a villain. He was he was the trickster. Well, he did become the the god of evil. In the comic, at one point. Yeah, but I don't know if they'll go that direction. No, and he He's has too since liked. he has since regressed from that yeah. stance, uh, back to a more kind of normal Loki. Yeah, kind of. He's just there to. He's to not a around. good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just an asshole. He's just he he imparts things into the world. He's a puck for the world. Yeah. Of just like let's see what happens when this happens. Yeah. Okay. Now it's like wrestling almost. He's he's not the, he's not a heel, mm -hmm. but if they made him a heel, the fans would be against it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why they don't do it. He can't be a hard villain. No. Because that's not in his character. Yes. Which we have also just gone through in engrossing fashion, which was one of my favorite things about that show, was just the, the, the uh, psychology appointment. Yeah. Uh, breaking down Loki that and the really way... Good. That Owen Wilson does this, or Mobius. Oh my god, here's the other thing. Mobius, Morbius. This is too close. Yeah. We're, there's going to be a lot of bleed over. As a dyslexic man, I'm going to tell you right now, I am going to call him Morbius at some point. And it's, it's not on purpose. Um, I wonder if they'll have a scene where he asks Loki to choose what pill he wants. Right. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like... Uh, the vampire, uh, Morbius, the living vampire, yeah. that's coming out, and you know, is are, is this how we get vampires in the universe? Like, there's so many questions, and this well, is... that could be because you're, you're going to have Blade in like three years. Well, so this is my question: all these things have to be introduced now because they aren't naturally occurring, mm -hmm. and to 
you know, take the Eternals path of this was always here, it just wasn't impacting anything. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh-huh, I believe you. I really do. Um, but I maybe, maybe here we can do something with those. I, I just, I don't know. I am so curious to see where this goes. I like Owen Wilson in it. I like Tom Hiddleston in it. I yeah. think it's interesting because he, he, obviously he's the main character, but it, it's almost more like we're trying to figure, or at least from my perspective, I'm watching Loki's story, but I'm also just watching everything going on around him, yeah. trying to understand what any of this is. And I'm like, yes, yes, your mother, yes. Uh-huh, and what's happening over here? Uh, what is that? And why is it beige? Yeah. Why is everything here beige? Yeah. Beige and orange. I, it's so weird. I get it. It's supposed to be bureaucracy. It's supposed to be boring. But... And I love how the, the projector looks like some old-time equipment yeah. from, like, the 50s, but then it projects this... This hologram. ...hologram of his life. It's like, that was kind of... Yeah. And it looks like they're using tape. Yeah. Like, that was cool. I the was effects were great. Little, they were really good. The effects were they're really, really good. really good. Even though at first when they were, like, looking out at the, the city, it kind of reminded me of Cloud City at first when they looked out. Yeah. Because... The slots going around look like the um, extended version or the new versions of Jet or Empire. Yes. Where they put it in there. I was like, eh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. So we're all looking forward to Loki Episode 2, and we cannot wait. All right, folks. So now we're on to the, king, the big topic of the day. The king. The, the king, king must be given homage. Indiana Jones is 40 years, which makes me feel really old because I remember seeing, not Raiders, but I've seen, I saw Temple of Doom in the theater. I remember it scared the crap out of me. But I, w I remember seeing Raiders like the day it came out on VHS. My dad got it for us. I love these movies. To me, they're my, as far as George Lucas, Steven Spielberg films, my favorite Steven Spielberg film is still Minority Report, but... Raiders is a close second. That's surprising to me. I love Minority Report. I, I think Minority Report's fine. I fucking love it. I think it's it has a little too much eye surgery for me, so I spend a lot of it watching oh, behind man. my hands. Because, like, eyeballs, I don't do eyeballs You don't like well. it when he sneezes into his hand and then rips Tom Cruise's eyeball out? Uh, just, ooh. Yeah. The entire, or Tom Cruise with just the, the thing on his eyes, and it's oh, just I like... Love it. Well, the, and the the amazing thing, that we're getting off on a tangent again, folks. <laughs> that scene where the spiders are crawling through... Yeah. That was an actual set they built, and they filmed it like that. Yeah. So, like, that wasn't special effect, like no. the spiders were. But I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And those special effects, you watch those spiders now, and it holds up. Oh, yeah. As an amazing special effect. We were talking last segment about uh, Star Wars and yeah. how the effects don't always so hold up. And you don't always get that in a Spielberg movie because he uses them as a touch... To enhance the story the going on effects. around, exactly, George. Exactly, exactly. I also love the production design. This is my last thing I might have yeah. heard I love the production design, that it looks like a human world yeah. in the future. It doesn't look like the future, like the Jetsons yeah. or something. It looks like a human world in the future. Dark dystopian. Yeah. Oh, um, All right. Um, but Raiders. Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Unbelievably great movie. It's so Good. So amazing. It's so fucking good. It does have one of my favorite scenes, and I to this day I get goosebumps, of any film I have ever seen in my life. And it is the scene where Indy and Marcus 
are talking to the two military guys, telling them about the Ark. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. You have the music. You have the lore. The acting's great. Oh, I love it. You're not a Star Wars guy, so you might not know this. What's that? Do you know who one of the guys from the U.S. Oh, yeah, he's one of the... Porkins. Porkins, yeah. Porkins, pull up. The one that, like, is a little kind of looking side-eyed. Yeah, he's got the big big walrus mustache, and he smokes a pipe, yeah. Yeah, I I took this as an opportunity to rewatch Raiders. Nice. And, oh, my God. So good. movie is... It's, I think... Perfect is the only way I can really describe it. There's not anything in it that I'm like, yeah, you don't need that. You can cut it, or we we need more yes. out of this. Like, arguably, arguably, the pirates at the end, maybe there's something else to get out of it, but you don't need to because we're moving on yeah. to the finale of the and movie. And you don't really, you you barely see the pirates. Yeah. The whole thing is to get Marion and Indy in a, a room together. Yeah. Which has the scene where she hits him with the mirror, which is <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> Um, and has one of my favorite lines that I use on people when they say you're too old to, you're too young to have pain. And I say, it's not the age, it's the mileage. It's the mileage. And it's like, that's just such a yeah. great part. You're right though. I, I have to agree with you. I think it's a perfect movie. It's so good. I absolutely think it's a perfect it's movie. It's like, uh, they show it in film school as a way to introduce characters. Yes. Because the atmosphere that Spielberg develops before we even see Indy is so... It's its own mystique on its yeah. own. It's, it's. There's this mystery and power and ferocity and an incredibly young Alfred Molina. Yes, a super young Alfred yeah. Molina. Um, there's there's still a few moments where he's he's not tripping up with the acting, but he's just like, I bet you wish you could do that again, yeah, huh? Yeah. Um, but my God, that reveal when he comes out of the shadows after whipping the gun out of the guy's mm. hand—it's it's so good. It's in the same way that Han Solo's all of his everything is just portrayed in that cantina scene. Uh-huh. You know this man when you leave the cantina. You know who this person is. By the time you get out of the temple, you know who Indy is, mm. and then you spend the rest of the movie kind of getting to know the nuances of who Indiana Jones is. So I love that scene where they go back to him in college and he's teaching the class and all the girls are looking Funny at him room. and uh, it's uh, he's and what you're saying about the intro I I agree with you a thousand percent because not only do you get the serious you get the intelligence you get the um, experience but then you get the humor yeah and it's so subtle because the really first part with the humor is when he grabs the vine, vine. and he laughs and then starts pulling it's odd oh, that's hysterical yeah. yeah. That's it, pure slapstick. It takes you by surprise when you yes. first see it because it's the first moment that this very serious guy has shown any kind of humor. Yes. And it's him being like, ah, finally, things are going the way they're... Oh, no, they're not going... Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then leading into the him running to the boat and then yeah. getting onto the or plane, I mean, getting onto the plane. That's all, his, that's all comedy. Yeah. But it's brilliantly done. So well done. Oh, and my God. Have, it doesn't feel tonally off. You don't feel jarred by it. It just feels natural to the character. It feels like this is a three-dimensional world where people aren't always one way. Yeah. They kind of approach each situation uniquely. And you get that from all the characters. You know, everybody from Marion on through to uh, Sala yeah. has, the, has a moment of you know, differentiation between one type of action and another. It's so good. Um, it's Lawrence Kasdan should only write movies that have a story by George Lucas. Mm, yeah. Because every time he does, it's gold. Yeah. It's pure gold. 
And Lucas definitely can't write anything without Kasdan. We have found this out. Well, Lucas can't write. Like, he can't, he comes up with the best stories. But, like, dialogue and direction is just terrible. It's just bad. Just terrible. It's, it's so bad. And you can tell, because if you look at the very first Star Wars, the, the New Hope, it's not the best dialogue. And even yeah. the actors, like, you could tell they're really forcing to make it something decent. To where you have Harrison Ford just a couple years later doing another George Lucas story, but the writing is so good that he elevates it just easily. Easily. Without without anything. Yeah. And, like, there's... he Indy as a character is everything you want to be as a human being. Yes. He's smarter than everybody in the room. Maybe he doesn't always know what's going on, but he has a firm grasp of the situation. And he's not going to be denied yeah. what he wants to do. And he's going to go above and beyond, whether that's against the Nazis or the U.S. government or whoever, mm. to, to make sure that his voice is heard and his opinion is heard. And uh, he's usually right. Yeah. <laughs> he's right most of the time. And for most of us who hadn't seen his work prior to this, it introduced us to John Reese davies who, yeah. God, I love that man. He's so good. You know, not, not even just the Lord of the Rings that everyone always thinks Gimli and whatnot, but after Indy, there was a, one of my, I would say guilty pleasure films is called Waxwork. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No. It's kind of a, a B-level horror movie about a waxwork that when you cross the rope, you transport into whatever that scene is. So, like, they have a scene of, like, Dracula. Mm. And when you cross the rope, you're in Transylvania and whatnot fighting vampires. And then there's one where you cross the rope, and it's John Reese davies and he's a werewolf. But you uh. go to his, the guy goes to his cabin not knowing it. And he turns into this insane... It's like a very violent, awesome horror movie. But he plays the werewolf. Yeah. And it's like, I never would have seen that movie, ever. Unless I had seen Raiders and seen him. And yeah. been like, oh, I want to see it now. Yeah. Because of that actor. Oh, my God. And it's, it's so good. It's so amazing. Every beat of this movie works. And it doesn't just work. It's entrancing mm -hmm. like the the scene you were talking about where india is explaining what the arc is and why it's important you there's this dynamic there that's set where and it says so much about this character where marcus brody is the curator of the museum he's the boss mm -hmm. right these guys are here to see indiana jones and him and typically he would be the one talking so he like starts every sentence and then Indy cuts in yes. and explains everything better than he could. And Marcus just gives him this kind of like, I knew you were going to do that look. Yeah. And he's, he's totally down for it. And he's like, yeah, this is the guy that should be explaining it. He knows all this stuff. He, yeah. he talks the big game because he knows the big game. And it's that scene when he opens the book Yeah. and you see the picture of the arc that you hear that music for the first yeah. time. The arc, I like to call it the arc music. And it's so good. Like, John Williams' score, oh once again. God. I mean, that theme song is as iconic as any other piece of music in the history of music, pretty much. You hear that, you know yeah. exactly what it is. But then those some of those subtle little pieces he wrote were so, oh, so good. good. There's so much creep and atmosphere to yes. the arc theme of just, yes. like... That when it when everything's all wispy at the end of the movie and all the ghosts are coming out, that's the way that song sounds. Yeah, it sounds like something sneaking around the corner for you. And 
I mean, it's, it's John Williams. That's so The cool. guy, I found this out from my dad, uh, he won an Oscar for adapting uh, a score because he did the adaptation of the Fiddler on the Roof score. Yes. And that has never been an award ever again since, is adapting an original score. That's not a thing. It's only original score. You don't get best adapted score every year. Um, and But it's, it's John fucking Williams. I mean, he's won five Oscars. He's been nominated... Oh, God, I'm trying to remember how many times he's been nominated. It's something like 20 it's, times? It's so many times. Um, yeah, it, there's so... Even... I also love things about this movie, like the monkey, when they're in Egypt, and uh, the monkey is a spy, and yet Marion kind of unwillingly adopts it, but then kind of falls in love with it. And... When she is killed, she's killed, quote-unquote killed. Uh, it's done so because the monkey gives away her position. And then, oh, cut to Indy, drunk, mourning the supposed death of yes. his uh, one-time girlfriend. And who's he cuddling but the goddamn monkey that led the Nazis straight to her. Yeah. And it's just like, there's just this beautiful poetry to everything. And then that monkey ends up dying because of bad dates. And, and well, that's the funny thing you said. First off, John Williams has been nominated for 52 Academy Awards. That's insane. 52 effing Academy Awards. But there's that, my, my friend, uh, friends from high school and I, when we were growing up, we always would do that scene where they realize the Nazis are digging in the wrong and Salah's like, I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler of the... Oh, bad dates. And that's just so great because it, he just... that just It's such a nice little pause. Bad dates. Bad and, it's dates. Just, and with his voice, it's just so awesome. I also love that moment when he and Indy are putting the puzzle together and they both turn to each other and they're like, they're digging, digging in, in the, the wrong place. place. <laughs> he does yeah. that laugh. Yeah. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That's so And good. like on top of everything else... There's two more perfect movies after it. Okay, I hate Willie. I, I do, not my dog. I love my yes. dog, Willie. Kate Capshaw's Willie because she was boning the director. Yes, Temple of Doom Willie. I hate her. Yes. And if there was ever one thing that I could circle and be like, go back and digitally fix this part of it, it would be Willie. Yes. Whether that's getting a different performance or whether that's just finding a way to cut that character out and turn it into a cat. Yeah. And there's just this cat named Willie who gets into all kinds of antics on the side. And the meows would sound a lot like, Indy making out with a cat would be weird. It would. But, it would. But, like, it, it's, he's, could be that he's drunk yeah, after the oh dinner. He comes over after Too the dinner. Too many monkey brains. Yeah. Um, but, like, besides that, everything else about this series is so fucking good. And what I, and I agree with you, and what I love about Temple of Doom is... Steven Spielberg, which now he's doing the remake of, um, oh, what's uh, the musical? Yeah, uh, 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 West, West Side, Side Story. Story. He always wanted to direct a musical, so the intro to Indy, to Temple of Doom, is Isn't a musical, it? and it's awesome. That's so good. That intro was incredible, and it like takes from like original '30s musical yeah. ideas, where like it it breaks the idea of the stage as a concept and. Ah, it's and then so if you good. take the idea, which I didn't know when I originally saw, because I was too young to understand this, 
but it was based prior to Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah. this is like early Indiana Jones. And that makes it a little cooler when you're watching. You're like, so that guy in Raiders went through all of this crazy shit. Yeah. Like becoming a zombie yeah. and almost putting his love interest into lava and uh, freaking incredible. And climbing up bridges. And oh my god, almost getting eaten by alligators. And, and, and like, so this is the other thing that I realized is that Indiana Jones 1 through 3 is an perfect encapsulation of a film series because it's not one movie sequel yes. sequel one movie one prequel one sequel yes we see where it begins we see before the beginning we see where it ends it's perfect it is a perfect capsule of yep. cinema it between the references that it makes to old hollywood the technology it brings to new hollywood the development of style and character, the way that it brought this new, at the time, concept of the the, the fictional character world of, like, yes. we're going to come back to this and we're going to keep doing stuff with it. And also, knowing when to step away from something. So you don't have, you know, Terminator Genesis or... Yeah. Uh, uh, I know you care. You don't. You like it, but Rocky Four. Um, these things that kind of bend back on the the, yeah. the spine of the original, um, and then we got four. And we. And I don't. No, we're not talking about four. Four was a piece of shit. We're not talking about. And I don't really want to delve into five because we don't know what five is going to be. The cast is setting up to be ridiculous. I will say this, because this is this was the thing I needed to come up with. What would actually make me interested in this movie? Because right now, I'm squarely of the opinion, nothing can make me interested in this movie. Okay, are you sure about that, me? So let's... Is there anything for you? Because I have my answer. Is there anything for you that... Well, the fourth one took place in the... 50s. 50s. So this is going to be in the 70s. Like late 60s, early 70s. Um... I mean, not really. There's like no no one thing that you hear. I mean, I want to see it just because I love the franchise so much, and the the fourth one was such an abomination that I need to have closure. Yeah, I need to have solid closure. We need to have closure again. We had closure, and then we need to have it again. Yeah, um, I realized there's two things that could make me interested in this movie. One is if in the synopsis they tell us that Mutt has died. Okay. You have my attention. Shia LaBeouf's character's dead. We don't have to. They're gonna have to describe something because he. There's no way he's gonna be in this movie. No. So they gotta figure out a way to describe to explain why he was gone. Have him be dead because that'll make the fans excited. Yes. Um. But the real thing that they could say that this movie's about and it would get my attention is if this is a handing off of the Indiana Jones mantle from Indy to Short Round. This is a short round story. This is short round all grown up, and he's still in China, and we're doing this around the time of Vietnam, and all this stuff is happening, and it's the handing off of the mantle from one person to another. Because I care about That's short round. Yeah. I care about what happens to short round, and I want to see how his story goes. Yeah. And like you could cast like Daniel Day Kim, you could do Stephen Yuan. There's a bunch of young. Well, see, that's the problem though is. Short Round 
is going to be. You'd have to mess with the ages a little like bit. It's like 50s yeah. or 60s. Yeah, you'd have to mess with the ages a little bit to make yeah. it work. It's 50s, but I think. I think people would forgive you for it. I think that some people yeah. would, would be like, but he was, hey, wait a minute. And then everybody else would be like, well, is the movie That's good? Interesting. Did you like the yeah, movie? I never thought of that. Because if you like the movie, then you're not going to care that they changed Short Round's age to make it fit. Yeah. Um, but like that's like the only thing that I could think of where I was like, yes, if you tell me that this is a movie about Short Round, yeah. it's not featuring Short Round. I want to stress this is not featuring Short Round. This is about Short Round. And Indy is kind of also here to you know soften the blow. Yeah. I'd, I'd go and see that movie. I'm curious to see what you're doing mm. with it. There's a lot of options to go with here. There's a lot of interesting directions to turn. Um, otherwise, I really don't know if they could bring anything to the table that would make me excited about this See, movie. they brought one thing to the table, and that's Mad, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. When they, I found out he was cast in this movie, I'm like, okay, now you have me. Because I know he can love, elevate whatever storyline and, and give it... Because I love Kate Blanchett. But she sounded like she was right out of um, Rocky, Bull- Rocky Bull- Bullwinkle. <laughs> so I, I hated the character itself, not the actress. Loved the actress, hated the character. Um, but I'm hoping, like I just, I just have hope. But I, I'm, I'm not going to go into it as excited as I was for four. I was so devastated with four it's because I was so looking forward to it. It's a kneecap. It, it's oh, really it's like you get Tanya Harding at that thing. It's, it was it was perfectly discussed in South Park where they were watching Indy getting raped. Yeah, like there was no better analogy for that movie than that South Park. It's I I cannot I know that we we said before we're not going to talk about four and now we're talking about how terrible four yeah. is. So uh, just a quick dunk. Everything about four sucks. Yes. I I was talking to my dad and he was like, there must be some elements of it that you like. And I'm like. They brought back Karen Allen, and that's about it. I really don't have anything else nice to say about it. Um, yeah, no, nothing. Even the beginning of it sucks. There's the moment he gets in that fridge, the movie dies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so bring back Short Round. I'll watch Ugh. Short Round. I'll do that. I gotta say though, this trilogy, in my opinion, and this is okay. Here's where my little side note on this is. I consider The Lord of the Rings one movie. Okay. Because I can say that the indie trilogy is my favorite trilogy ever. I think it is, just like you said, the perfect trilogy, one, two, and three, has a great beginning, has the best ending you could possibly have for a trilogy, has the awesome middle, and... It's because of this fact that I count Lord of the Rings as one movie. Because if I didn't, it would have to be Lord of the Rings. And I cannot take that away yeah. from Indy. I have to have Indy as my favorite trilogy. I remember walking out of... Because we have to bring this back to Marvel. I yeah. remember walking out of Captain America Civil War. And I was like, this might be the most complete trilogy of films since Indiana Jones. Where you have a large amount of growth, but you also have character. You have heart. See, I would agree with you, except for Civil War. And I'll tell you why. Civil War, I think they took a great storyline and compressed it too much. Yeah. And turned it into another Avenger movie. Because it pretty much was another oh, Avenger it's, movie. It's, it's, it's a it's a. Where the first two Captain Americas were... They were not Avenger movies. They were genre pieces. Yes. You had the war movie. You had the spy movie. 
I was kind of hoping for another kind of following that line because the first two I loved so much. I mean, everyone knows, and I've told you, the second one is my favorite Marvel movie. It's, yeah. it's, it's perfect in my eyes. And I don't give Civil War that just because, it to me, it wasn't a Captain America movie. It no, was it an wasn't. Avenger movie. It was, it was a mulligan on Avengers yeah. 2. And they also did something that they, they really, even though T'Challa, it was, he was a key part of it, that was the one time in Marvel where I kind of had the feeling of they pigeonholed him in just to introduce him for Black yeah. Panther. Yeah. And so that, I like Civil War, but I don't love it. I like that there are, so Civil War is my favorite Marvel storyline. It was mm. the storyline that Oh, I love that. Absolutely love the comic. So, like, I agree with you. It is way too compressed. Yes. Um, I, years now, afterwards, I look at Spider-Man's inclusion in that, yes. and I wonder, was this the best bet to put down? I don't know. It's important, but mm. you blew why it's important in the comics. You didn't have any of the the substance to why his inclusion is important here, uh, and also the movie kind of climaxes yeah, once the climaxes. airport. <laughs> the, it, it, once you get out of the airport, like that's basically the end of the movie. There's another thirty minutes after that. Yeah, but nothing really interesting happens in that other than Tony Stark finding a way to travel through time or at least slow the flow of time for Steve Rogers who goes from Berlin to Russia in the same amount of time that Tony goes from Berlin to America to the Middle Atlantic to Russia. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I do like Civil War. Definitely some missed opportunities. Yeah. Um, Which I'm actually kind of happy. When I saw Civil War, I was terrified that they were going to screw up Planet or um, yeah, Planet Hulk and then World War Hulk. Yes, I thought they were gonna, but luckily, thanks to Thor Ragnarok, they were able to kind of do Planet Hulk. Yeah, but then they just and, forgot and about they World just War. Never Hulk. did World War. I would rather they forget about it instead yeah. of completely fucking it up. Because yeah. I love as much as I love all those comic streams. Planet Hulk going into World War Hulk is one of my favorites. Yeah. It's a great... Oh, my God. So good. And, like, I love just the, the arc of that concept. Yes. Of it's, Hulk, you're too dangerous. We banish you from Earth. Okay. Hulk, take over our own planet. Hulk, come back and fuck up your planet. Yeah. And... Well, and Hulk, take over a planet, save planet, find love, lose love, have get sun. rage, have son... <laughs> Go back to Earth, fuck everybody up. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so good. I want to go back. I might go back and reread that tonight now. <laughs> now I got that in my head. I'm like, I gotta reread that. I yeah. actually had that comic series, that whole series, on my PSP. Oh wow. Because I don't know if you remember, PSP had a digital comic book yeah. reader. Oh, did it? Yes, and you could buy digital comics and read them on the PSP. Uh... And I had Planet Hulk and World War Hulk because I had them in I have them in paper, but I got them on that, and it was aw- like it was so clear, and turning the pages was easy. It was awesome. Yeah, I love. Oh, I miss my PSP. I got to get my PSP. <laughs> but we're talking about Nanny and John, so I, I guess we'll we'll try and pivot back. Yeah, to we're actually we're actually running running out of time. Are we done? We're Is almost at over? an hour. Really? You believe that? I well, don't. We talk. We talk. We had that. We had like a twenty-minute diatribe on Star Wars to start this, <laughs> which wasn't even part of the. No, show. we don't know why we start. Okay, so folks, 
in other words, we love Indiana Jones. 40 years. We love you, Indy. Happy birthday. Thank you for making life special. Don't fuck up number five. Uncle Indy is good. Uncle let, Indy's great. Let, just let Uncle Indy be Uncle Indy. Don't make me have to separate out the good Indy from the bad Indy. Yeah. Don't hurt my heart again. I can't take it twice, man. Oh, you know a twist? They could have Indy turn into, uh, Harrison Ford turn into uh, Tom Selleck at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh my have like God. a morphing like face off. It's like, oh, yeah. I finally got it yeah. after 40 years. It's like, it's like there's, he goes through some, <laughs> the, the whole movie's about some time door. Yes. And he like tweaks it just a little bit. And when he comes out, it's Tom Selleck. Oh my God, that'd be perfect. <laughs> All right, folks. So next week we have another big show. We're going to, we're going to do a brief talk about um, Loki uh, episode two. Yeah. We're going to do a brief discussion, uh, another Star Wars discussion, which I know blows your mind. Uh, Al and I are going to discuss Rogue One. And then next week, our main topic, which we are going to have to keep the first two topics to like a half hour, because our main topic is Werewolf Week. Yeah. Which Al and I are massive werewolf fans. Werewolf movies, lore, whatnot. Next week is Werewolf Week. Yeah. So look forward to that, folks. Rogue um, One might get kicked another week. Rogue One might turn into the Matt Damon oh, of this show. Where it's just like, sorry, Rogue One, we'll get to you next right, week. We will do that. We're, we're, we're going to do Loki Episode 2. We're going to do Werewolf Week next week. And then the week after, our main topic is going to be Rogue One. That's We're going to make it our main storyline. Because I'm going to need time. I'm not going to lie to you, sir. I'm going to rewatch it a couple times I, soon. I came back with... Four pages of notes after Cisco watching Niebuhr, that movie. Cisco Niebuhr, baby. Yeah. Cisco Niebuhr reborn. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I got, oh, you and me, we got to have a talk. Oh, man. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, um, once again, you can find me at staylorbooks.com and you can find Mr. L. You can find me at judsonstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And uh, everybody have a good night, friends and enemies. We will see you next week. <laughs>